Today, we dive into everything PR, including how to find media coverage, what the benefits of getting it actually are, and how can you do it all yourself. Next on Make and Bacon. Hey there, I'm Jason Logston, and this is Make and Bacon. We're all about helping you serve your fans, grow your income, and get the most out of your blog. Today's episode is brought to you by my very own self-publishing 101 course. The average home cook owns almost 50 times more printed cookbooks than PDF cookbooks. So why are you limiting yourself? With the advent of print-on-demand companies like Amazon KDP and IngramSpark, it's now easier than ever to become your own publisher. But if you don't know what you're doing, you can waste not only your time, but also your money. After publishing 15 cookbooks, including a top 10 cookbook on Amazon, I know publishing, especially self-publishing, and I want to share my expertise with you. That's where my video course comes in, stepping you through the entire self-publishing process so you can get your printed cookbook up for sale on Amazon without making too many mistakes. You can check it out at makethatbacon.com slash publish now. Now, on to the show. As bloggers, we often read articles about other food writers, we watch chefs on TV, and we see cookbook authors on morning shows, but we rarely believe that could be us. But how do you get the media to start covering you, and what can you expect when you actually do? Luckily, today's guest is the perfect person to help us out. She loves storytelling and the way a well-told narrative can change the trajectory of a business. So she's passionate about making communication strategy accessible to businesses of every size. An author, former TV personality, and university professor, she helps entrepreneurs develop simple, streamlined public relations and digital marketing strategies while racking up the as-seen-on features for their brand. Working with everything from solo endeavors to international luxury brands, she has seen how effective media outreach can turn a best-kept secret into a household name. Her expertise has been featured in places like Forbes, PR Couture, and Homesteady. She also lives on a vineyard, which she affectionately calls farming with a better publicist. I can't wait to learn from today's guest, Dr. Tiffany Urich of Tiffany Urich Communications. Tiffany, welcome to Making Bacon. Jason, thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to be here, and I'm excited to get to talk about a marketing strategy that many small businesses don't realize they have in their arsenal. I think it's something a lot of us hear about and think about, but we have no idea how to get started. So I'm really excited to learn from your expertise on the matter. And I have to say, I laughed at, with the uh, from your bio, the farming with a better publicist. I think that's a great way oh, to put it. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, vineyards and, and grape growing, they are not as glamorous as the movies would have you believe. <laughs> <laughs> You're just not out there, you know, in a dress with, you know, the guy in a suit and uh, drinking while yeah. you, you know, lightly trim and prune the vines. That's not all that goes into it. That's what everybody envisions is, you know, sundress and a big straw hat and you're just out there strolling. It's jeans and work boots and mud and sun. And <laughs> <laughs> it's not nearly as glamorous as it sounds. So I can't wait to dive into all things PR, but before we get started, I always like to ask, what is it like around your dinner table on a typical day? You know, right now we are in an interesting season. We've got family all around and friends are beginning to travel. And so every dinner is a little bit different, whether it's indoors around the table or watching TV or outdoors in alfresco or whatever it might be. Every night's a little bit different. We love to cook from our homegrown produce when we can. And, and so it's just always exciting. But as long as there are people we love and great conversations and laughter, it's a great meal around the table. <laughs> I love that. Do you have any good produce kind of in, in season right now that you're enjoying? You know, we were hit by that crazy Arctic blizzard here in Texas. And so we lost a lot of the spring produce from those freezes, but I've got some snap peas, 
they're growing on because it's unseasonably cold again right now. And so we've got some snap peas and some broccoli growing and some cabbage, but nothing warm weather yet. <laughs> it's just hasn't, hasn't warmed up enough yet. And this time of year, it usually is hot. So it's been kind of a crazy year for gardening. I think snap peas are one of the things I miss most from since we moved to the city, we don't have a, a big garden anymore. And those fresh snap peas off the vine are one of my favorite things to eat. So good. So good. There are a couple different varieties I like, but the ones that managed to survive our crazy cold here this year were the um, mammoth melting sugar peas. Oh, nice. Which I like a sugar high in a bite. It's great. It's like, what's your preparation method? You take it off the vine and put it in your mouth. And that's it. Exactly. <laughs> if it makes it to the kitchen, it's a good day. <laughs> So I wanted to dive into media coverage. It sounds huge and scary. Can you talk a little bit about what it actually looks like for bloggers and smaller brands? You know, I assume we're not talking about going on the Tonight Show to get started. Absolutely. And no, I, I wouldn't recommend going on the Tonight Show to get started for a variety of reasons. One being that's a crazy place to start. Being you probably don't have the chops to get there yet. And three, that's probably not where your client and your customers are at anyway. So it wouldn't actually do you any good. It might be cool to put on your, you know, as seen on logos, but it probably isn't actually going to move the needle on your business. And I think that one of the big misconceptions about public relations and media coverage has been one of the challenges uh, in building the business is just educating people. And there's this idea that it is for billion dollar brands, that you have to hire an agency who will do all of this you know, massive work on a daily basis, getting you into all the magazines and all the TV shows and podcasts and all that kind of thing. And it's gonna be a crazy five or six figure price tag. And while that can all be true and is for big agencies, you can actually get billion dollar coverage on whatever budget you have. You don't have to be making a ton of money to get media coverage. And it can work in a way that is really effective for your business in finding the places where your clients are hanging out, what media influences them, and then some very strategic laser sharp pitches to those media outlets and uh, landing that media coverage. It might a feature article in a magazine or an online blog. It might be a podcast interview like this one. And I love podcasts. We, a couple of years ago, did a podcast interview and had a 1,067% increase in our email list from that one podcast episode. And people always ask, is that is that number accurate? It is. And it has continued to grow because podcasts and YouTube videos are things that people will find years down the line and then deep dive the archives and find your episode. It can be a roundup. So for instance, if you publish a cookbook, it could be a cookbook. Your cookbook gets featured in a gift guide or a roundup of new books and new cookbooks. You could be a guest contributor where you're writing about your work or writing about recipes or contributing recipes. It could be a television appearance where you are doing a cooking segment on a local news station. So there are a variety of different ways that you can get media coverage as a small business and even as a small blogger that are very effective and can really drive a lot of attention and a lot of awareness and demand around your brand back to your site. I love that there's lots of different levels kind of that you can go after and kind of work your way up. What's a good way to start trying to find media that would be a good fit for either your brand or for your size? That's a great question. So one of the things that I do with all of my clients is we sit down and we just take an assessment of their business. We run through an exercise I call the zones of interest, where I help them walk through what makes their business interesting and newsworthy. Like why would the news want to cover you? Why would the media want to 
talk about you because the hard cold fact is the media doesn't really care about your business. They're not there to give you free advertising and to make you look great. What they care about is a really great story that's going to serve their audiences. So the way that media works in most cases is that the more content that you create that's high quality and draws more eyes or more ears to the media, the more money they can sell in advertising. And so if you can come to the table with a really great high quality idea that serves that media professional and their audience and gets more eyes on their, their product, then you will reliably and consistently be able to get that kind of media coverage. So understanding what makes your business newsworthy and what makes what you do interesting and worth talking about is the first key. But then you also need to do a few things in your business to prepare, to prepare and to prep for that potential attention. One of the things is just looking at the capacity of your business. How much can you grow? So if you sell a local product, like I was talking with um, a farmer the other day, that they want to expand their sales of their produce. One of the things we talked about is how much can you expand? Because clearly what you're doing, you're probably not ready to sell at a national level. And so we don't necessarily need to land national publications. But if we want to expand in the region and you have the capacity to do that, then let's focus on those kinds of publications. So if you sell a one-to-one -one service, you are probably going to be a little bit limited in terms of how much you can grow. But if you sell an online course or you have a blog that you can get new customers and clients and audiences all day long, then that's going to make some decisions for you. One of the other factors that you need to decide is what is your goal? A lot of times people think, oh, I want media coverage. Let's just go run out and grab some media coverage. It'll be great. But it's not always that useful or that helpful to just go out willy nilly and get whatever kind of media coverage you want. And so for instance, I was talking with a web designer once and she said, I really want to be on Good Morning America. And I said, why? And she said, because I love that show. I grew up watching it and it would just be a big honor to be on it. And I said, what is your goal? And she said, I want more CEOs of these kinds of companies to hire me to come in and do you know, a big strategic redesign of their company's website. And I said, are those CEOs watching Good Morning America in the morning? She said, probably not, they're probably at work. And I said, so probably, while that would be really cool for sure, it's not actually going to move the needle on your business. So really understanding your goal and your ideal client or what we call your ideal audience and where they hang out is going to help you make some decisions. So you may have a goal to increase sales, you may want to generate more awareness around your brand and what you do in your business. Uh, you may be trying to become a thought leader in your industry. So you already have a great business in this industry, but you want other people in the industry to really turn to you as the expert who's the trendsetter in your industry. And all of those different kinds of goals, you will be looking for different kinds of media outlets to reach different kinds of audiences. And so we never go in just a willy nilly. We try to really get laser sharp and make sure that all of the effort is going to result in the, the return on your investment that you're looking for. And so those are some of the first things that you want to keep in mind is just that thought process. Do you have the capacity? What are your goals and who are your ideal audiences and where are they hanging out? And then from there, it's just a really simple process actually of putting together a few assets, learning how to craft a great pitch and a great story, and then just being brave and hitting the send button. I feel like a lot of bloggers that I talk to, especially in the food space, feel like they don't have a great story to share or they wonder why they would like media attention, but they don't quite know what sets them apart. What's a way that they can look at their own product, their own website, and find that story that would be of interest to other people? 
So one of the things I love to encourage people with is just this thought that you got into this business to help people and you can't help people if they don't know that you exist. Everybody has a unique take. They have a unique story that they're trying to tell. Everyone comes at their work from a slightly different perspective and that in and of itself is a great place to start. And so don't think that you don't have a voice, that you don't have anything to share. You actually have an advantage as a small business owner because the media, the press, they love discovering new businesses. They love discovering new voices. Everybody wants to be the one that breaks that new brand or that new product, you know, onto the market. And so you actually have an advantage over a large brand because of that. But some of the things that you can look at, you can look at the architecture of your business. Do you have your business structured in a certain way that is unique or different, or you have another area would be operations. You go about things in a different way. You can also look at your product and your service. What is the unique approach that you bring? So, you know, do you, are you working with, you're creating recipes for moms that need quick recipes on weeknights? Okay, so that's pretty common. We say that all over the place, but you probably have from your experiences, some unique way that you approach that, some way that you come at it, that if you can deep dive into that, really dig into it, it's going to help you figure out that positioning for PR. The really excellent part about going through this process of really digging deep into your business is that once you do that and you start thinking in terms of what would the media find interesting about my work, is that your own work becomes much more groundbreaking. You start to look at things from a different perspective. You start looking at what is different, what is unusual. And many of the clients I work with, what ends up happening is that after they go through some training and they learn how to create and craft a, a PR strategy, it changes the way they do business. And they find themselves taking bigger, choosing the option that is more unusual or more disruptive or more novel. And it's kind of the snowball effect that the business begins to take on just a really unique approach to what it does. And they begin to naturally stand out in their market anyway, because they're looking for these opportunities to stand out. So I would say one of four ways, um, your team, look at uh, the people involved with your business, you, your team, your customers, your clients, the people who read your blog and who've had success with it. If you have investors or suppliers, anybody like that, look at all of those people and see what are some of these key relationships, what's different there. Secondly, look at the architecture of your business. How are you set up? What does the structure look like? Is there something interesting or unique there? Um, look at your operations, the way that you do what you do, and then look at what you actually offer and your perspective. One of the great things about doing PR for yourself or getting your own media coverage, at least to start with, is that there's no one who is a better advocate for your business than you. And those things that just make you who you are, those experiences that really inform the way that you develop your content, those are the foundations of the things that will make you interesting to the media. Wouldn't you find kind of your special thing, like you're saying that I love that, that your niche, you know, it's kind of like your niche, but it's not just like, oh, I cooked sous vide or I use the instant pot. It's really the, the why, the, you know, the, your belief of why people should follow what you're writing. Once you figure that out and you find some places that you think you'd be a good fit for, how do you go about reaching out to them? Is there an easy way to, you know, make sure that you are showing them that you're going to provide value to them? Absolutely. So the first thing would be before you reach out to anyone to create what we call a press kit and a digital press kit is just a very simple online packet of assets that you can send out to any media professional that you are interested in working with. And in fact, we have a, a gift for your audience. That's going to be a checklist for building a press kit in a day. 
Most of my clients build this in an hour. And so when you build that press kit, you're going to have some things like your biography, like some data or statistics. You'll have some images in there. There are just a handful of things that go in that press kit. That's the first thing that tells that media professional that you are the real deal, you know, that you are worth talking to and you have positioned yourself in a very professional and polished manner. And so that checklist walks you through everything um, that you need to put in that press kit and it can be put together very quickly. Then after that, it's a matter of simply reaching out with a simple email. Now, if you've been in this industry like I have for as, as long as I have, you've kind of seen some rhythms in the way that PR works. And when I was in college, the first thing we were taught was how to write a press release, right? That's what everybody thinks of when they think of PR is that big, fancy press release. Truth be told, in today's market, a press release doesn't really work for many small businesses. Unless you are a big brand that's doing something really off the charts, crazy news breaking, a press release is just a lot of extra work. And the easier way to get featured is with a really personalized and tailored email that's a pitch that you're just suggesting, here's this story, or here's something about our product. We would love to share this with you if you're interested in it. And so we teach our students how to create these kinds of very simple pitches, but it's such a simple process and it's so effective because you take the time to see, okay, um, what does this reporter write about? What is important to them? What are their values? Uh, what do they like to talk about? What in my story or in my product that I'm creating or my content can easily tie to what they're doing and would give value to their audiences? And then just simply write an email with that thing. We keep it short, we keep it simple. Don't overwhelm them because they may get dozens or hundreds of pitches in a day. But just let them know that you, you pay attention to the content that they create and that you think that this would be a really great fit for their audiences. The biggest key here is to develop a service focused mindset that you want to help serve that reporter or that podcaster or that blogger, and you want to serve their audiences. And if you can capture that mindset around the work that you're doing, that it's about service, it goes 99% of the way <laughs> to getting you covered because they know that you're trying to help them and you're creating great content for them. You're making their job easier for them in some ways, right? <laughs> yeah. And a perfect example is, um, especially for food bloggers, I always think about those poor editors and writers at all of the magazines that every single year have to come up with an article about Thanksgiving side dishes. <laughs> Right? Yep. Like there's only so many ways that Southern Living can write about sweet potato casserole. <laughs> okay. So when you can come to the table and say, Hey, I know that this is coming up. I know that you are going to be writing about this. Here's another idea. Here's a great idea. That's a twist on what you usually do. What do you think about this recipe? Or would you like to know how we you know, quickly put together these recipes? Or would you like to know how we make the decisions about what sides are going to go with what dish? And so think about those, those media pros that are having to write that same content over and over again. And food is very cyclical, right? Like we have our summer soirees, we have our um, back to school dinners, we have our holidays, we have everything healthy at the beginning of the year. And you know, so it, there's a, a calendar to this, there's a rhythm to it. And so when you can come to the table and be like, Hey, let me offer you something new, a new take on this or a new technique or a new way to do this, they'll love you for it. You mentioned reaching out to writers. Is that generally who you recommend approaching like writers or is it editors or the publication itself? What's a good way that if you do want to get in, you know, Southern living, do you, re you know, research the writers that are there or do you go out to the magazine directly? Yeah. 
great question because a lot of times it just depends on the title that that person is called and it can vary from publication to publication. Your best bet if you're just getting started is to look at who is consistently writing the kinds of articles that you would want to be featured in and then reach out to them. So with many podcasts, they will have a, a page that asks you to submit your request through a form. If a site asks you to do that, I always recommend doing that because there's a reason they've got a system. They're filtering those pitches and those requests through that, that system. And so make their job easy. Don't annoy them before they've ever even had a chance to look at your email. <laughs> Good rule but of thumb in most attractions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, when we're looking at most traditional and digital media though, your best bet is just look at who is the person that keeps writing these pieces and then reach out directly to them. Sometimes it will be an editor. Sometimes it will be a contributor. Often it's a freelancer and freelancers love to get content as well because the freelancer is always having to come up with ideas and pitch those to the media outlet and be like, what would you think about this? What would you think about this? And that's their living rather than getting direct assignments typically. And so freelancers love to get content ideas as well. We just um, landed a client in a big national publication and we went to a freelancer and she said, I love this idea. Let me pitch it to the magazine. The magazine came back to her and said, yes, we love this. And she came back to us. So there was kind of that little extra step in there that we didn't have to do anything about the freelancer had to, but that's a great way. If you're not sure you know where to start, go take a look at some freelancers and anybody can go look at like the muckrack site and see freelancers that write about different topics, but look at who you consistently see the same name again and again, that's covering the kinds of stuff you want to be featured in and just reach out to them. They already know the subject matter and they probably have connections with uh, a lot of the publications anyway, right? Absolutely. So if you get in some of these publications, you mentioned the as seen on features. Can you talk about what those are and how they do benefit your overall brand? So there are a lot of benefits to PR. We call it the gold medal of social proof. If I can back up for just a second, one of the things that I love to explain to people to really help them have context is that media coverage fits in a bigger picture of marketing. And quite often what people will tell me is, well, I do YouTube or I have a podcast or I have an email list and that's my, my marketing strategy. I'd like to remind them that that's a tactic. Those things are all tactics, but they're not strategies. Strategy is a big picture of where you are and where you're trying to get to. The tactics are the individual steps that you take to get there. And so you could try to drive cross country and then you're going on a trip to Europe. So you decide you're going to take your car across the ocean. That car is going to get you part of the way. It's going to be successful for part of the time, but it's not going to finish the goal all the way for you because unless you have an amphibious car, cars don't cross the ocean, right? And so instead we need to come up with the next step or the next tactic. What would be the next means of transportation? Quite often what happens with, especially with bloggers and smaller brands and businesses is that they will utilize the email marketing. They'll utilize social media. They will maybe even pay for ads with stuff. And so they're using all of those different parts of the marketing strategy, but because they don't realize that PR and publicity is available to them, there's a big hole, there's a big gap in their marketing strategy and they aren't getting the kind of results that they could be. So when you start employing publicity, it does something a little different than any other forms of marketing can. When you are doing your, your own media, where this is your blog or your podcast or your email marketing, you're creating exposure and repetition. So you keep having people come back to you when you are using social media, you're building community, but 
there's only so much that social media can do for you. When you're paying for ads, you're getting exposure and you're making people aware of you. But none of those things can also add trust and credibility as quickly as publicity can. So when the media covers you, essentially what has happened is you get a third party stamp of approval. And it says, not only uh, is this person trustworthy and credible, their product is good, but you're also using that other platform, somebody else's platform to get a whole bunch more awareness about your, your brand and visibility. So you get visibility and credibility and you get just a lot of trust building in that whole process that no other form of marketing can do for you and not as quickly. So first and foremost, it builds that social proof. It tells people that you are in demand, that you have been vetted by a third party, that what you produce is good quality. And it also just simply makes people aware of your brand, that, that you're there, that you exist. I like to remind people that being a best kept secret is a great compliment, but a terrible business model. And so press helps you step out of that best kept secret box so that people actually know that you exist. If you have, if you're just starting out, if you're a dreamer or this is a side hustle or whatever it might be, you can actually use press to help people become aware of your brand before you ever have anything for sale with advertising. You can't do that, right? You, you advertise something that you're selling, but with press, you can just start getting expertise-based features that say, hey, I'm here. And you can begin to build that demand around your brand before you sell something. If you're at a little bit uh, further along in your business and now you've got things going and it's good, but you are really ready to bust into that next level, but you suddenly all the things you've been doing aren't working to get you any further along, you just can't seem to get through that ceiling. That's where press steps in and says, okay, now we're going to play at the next playing field. We're going to play with the big dogs. If you'll excuse my Southern terminology, right? <laughs> so this is where you really bust through that ceiling and media coverage gives you the kind of credibility and the kind of exposure that can take a local brand and make it national or a national brand and make it international. And if you have been in business for a while and you are, um, really ready to be seen as sort of a tastemaker or a trendsetter or someone who is helping to shape the industry as a whole, press gives you the platform and the credibility to really become that thought leader in your industry. There's an element of respect and prestige that naturally comes along with press because anybody can buy an advertisement, but everyone in the public knows that you have to be vetted. You have to go through a gatekeeper to get into the press. That makes a lot of sense that it is that the ultimate social proof. I think, like you said, that it's, you know, if you are quoted somewhere then, or if there's an article about you, then it's showing that other people have done the research that they think you're important enough to be on there. And so they will listen to the, generally the more well-known publications. They lend some of their credibility to you, right? Yeah. And at any stage of business, at any scale of business, there is press that will help you reach that next goal. You know, we got someone in Forbes, I think six months in after the launch of their business because they were doing something just really unusual. And so there are a lot of opportunities across the board, no matter where you are in business. And, and that's one of the reasons why I love it is because it's so underused. So few people know that it's accessible and it works no matter what stage you are at business to ethically use the as seen on what do you how much of you has to be in a magazine like i was in uh new york times like quoted in there from an interview about sous vide you know a while ago like is a quote enough is it like only your name Absolutely. does the article have to be all your article like kind of what's the uh 
if you're the standard is if your name and your brand show up in connection with that company, they have you know published it in any way, then yes, you can say that you, you have been featured there. Sometimes people will ask, well, I was in the digital version of this, but not the print version of this. Do I have to specify is or something different? There's really not. So from a from a professional perspective, when we're working with clients, you know, we're reporting to them all the places that they've been featured. But from a sense of kind of the prestige that comes with it, the Martha Stewart online is just as prestigious as the Martha Stewart in print. Some people have goals, you know, where they'd like to be. But in truth, what many people find is that those media outlets may actually have more circulation online than they do in their print version. So, and it may be that they featured you in their social media. That counts as well. So any place that you've really been, you, you can say you've been featured. So if they've mentioned your name, if they've included a link to a recipe, so any small reference, if they've done a product roundup where your cookbook has been featured or a recipe roundup and your recipe was featured, any way that they have featured you constitutes being featured. So, so anytime that they've mentioned you, the one word of warning I would give is make sure that when you talk about being featured there, assume that people are going to go look it up. And is it a feature that you actually want people reading about you? So if um, <laughs> they reviewed one of your recipes or your cookbook, and it was like all thumbs down, <laughs> you may choose to not mention that you were featured in that publication if you don't necessarily want people reading it. So there's no law that says that you have to say every time you've ever been featured <laughs> as featured in parentheses, please do not go read this. It is not, but please don't read it. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best way to highlight these as featured as that if you rack up five or 10 or 20 of these, how do you express that to your audience without just like every page having a pop-up that's like, Hey, here's all the stuff I was featured on. I'm a, we were a here. big deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tiffany was seen here. Uh, so actually the leveraging process is so important and it's one of the biggest parts of our, our training when we're working with people is teaching them how to leverage that because once you get the coverage, that's great, but it's what you do with it that really lends a lot of its power to your campaign and to your sales. And so one of the things they'll do is retweet or repost anything that that media outlet has posted about you. That shows them that you're invested in this and that you want to get their work out to other people as well. Because remember those editors, reporters, producers, podcasters, bloggers, it's, they want to know they're human too. They want to know that their work is valued and that it's shared just like you do. And so treat their work the way that you would want somebody to treat yours. Just share it, you know, with everybody. You can also create your own posts about what you've done. And I always say, take a very humble approach to this filled with gratitude, you know, that they have taken time to feature you. And that way it doesn't come across as being obnoxious, you know, or in your face, but just, you know, we're sincerely thankful that this has happened. And so we share that youth and social media. We'll mention it in an email newsletter. We'll put it on the website somewhere. We will update it in our press kit so that other media outlets can see that, Hey, you know, the media is interested in what we're doing and they want social proof as well. And so we'll put it in all of these different places, but another key is that we will reuse it. And so you don't have to, you're not limited to just mentioning your press coverage once you can mention it as often as you like. And so perhaps once a quarter or twice a year, it gets recycled into a roundup of great features or some great resources for incoming clients or something like that. So there are many different ways that you can reuse that, that are subtly lending that social proof to your work while also proving to be a great resource for your clients and your audiences. I like that. So you can dribble it out over time. So people see it and it's 
top of mind, but it's not in their face necessarily. But it, then if you're doing, you know, in your press kit or if you're doing a, a sales page, it's easier to work them in when you kind of do need it in their face. But the rest of the time, you're just, just a reminder, I was, I was in this publication, nudge, nudge. Absolutely. And a great place if you've got an email list. Most of your bloggers probably have an email marketing you know, tactic of some kind. They better. If you don't, create your email list today, everyone. If you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put that in your, in your welcome sequence somewhere. Include it as, here's a, you know, now that you've joined the community, here's some other resources that might be helpful for you. And you can link them out. And it's giving them, again, helpful stuff, helpful content. And it's reducing the amount of content you have to create, but it also is reinforcing that subtle sense of, hey, this person's the real deal. So I think the final component is how do those of us that aren't looking for this right now, how do we go about realistically accomplishing it? You know, do we need to hire an enormous team? Do we need to set aside an extra 10 or 20 hours a week to get it done? How do we start this process with with everything that we currently have going on? Uh, the answers to the first two are no and that you do <laughs> not need to hire a huge team and no, you don't need 20 or 40 hours a week, right? So one of the things that is kind of the foundation of my business, why I started it, was I was teaching at a top-ranked communications program in, the, in a university here in the States. And I was training all of these kids that were journalists and podcasters, digital marketers, PR professionals, and they were going out to work in some of the most famous agencies in the world. And they were using all these things we taught them but you had to have you know a million or billion dollar budget to be able to hire them. So these were like expensive brands to work with and, and agencies to work with. And unless you could ante up and pay some eye-watering you know price tags for that, you weren't going to get help. But the power of PR is so amazing in a small business and getting media coverage can transform the caliber of your brand and the impression or perception of your brand and the opportunities for uh, influencer collaborations for sponsorships for collaborations with other you know food related or cooking related companies the opportunities are so exciting when you have some of that media backing you know when you can prove that you've got some of these credentials and it can transform a small business. And yet for the people who it could be most transformative, it was the least accessible. So I started my firm with an eye to try to help those kinds of businesses, the people who are ready for growth and just aren't sure how to get there. Like they're not quite sure how to break into that next tier or they're just getting started and they're not sure how to get more eyes on their business and their product. And we start with simple strategy. We don't start with Saturday Night Live. We don't start with you know the Good Morning America unless the client is you know, ready to go and has some things in place. But we're also not starting with, hey, let's get, you know, an Instagram page up, we say, no, let's look really strategically at how are we going to quickly and strategically in this laser sharp focused way, get you into the kinds of media that's going to get you the results based on your goals. And so we start with your goals and then we get you into whether it's magazines, blogs, podcasts, whatever it is. I guess that I love podcasts because you get to talk about it. We see tons of results from that, but that's not the only way to really strategically get a person move forward, especially if they don't feel comfortable talking, you know, in front of a camera or microphone all the time, we can work up to that. And so that's how we built that business is creating PR services for everybody else, you know, for the people that don't have those massive budgets. So we work with creatives, we work with people in the food industry and with artisans um, and people kind of, we call it the food family and ag, you know, food family farm, if you will. So, so those kinds of people that are, have the family business or they're solo entrepreneurs and we're helping them build that. And so 
I tell them right off the bat, you don't have to pay a six figure price tag for an agency to do this work because you probably at this stage don't need all of the services that an agency is going to you know, offer. Probably it'll be too overwhelming for your business at this stage to be constantly on call every single day for media coverage and media events and things like that and travel and all that kind of stuff. Let's start a little more simply and meet your business where it's at and then help it grow quickly. But then also, if you're going to do this on your own, you don't have to have 20, 30, 40 hours a week to do it. This is something that you can literally do in a couple of hours a month. And so um, get some good instruction on how to really streamline the process. We like to teach people not only how to get press coverage, but how to take that process and turn it into their content creation process. So again, they're getting really high quality and unusual content. That takes a lot of the time writing or you know, trying to develop blog posts and trying to develop email marketing and that kind of, t and social media, it takes all of that and streamlines it into one very streamlined focused process. But I would say sit down and just figure out what is it about your brand that is exciting? What is it that you are doing that is different? And if you aren't sure, because I was talking with a friend of mine today, who's a brand strategist and she said something and she reminds me of this all the time because I need to be reminded of this just as much as any other business owner. Sometimes it's really hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle. And so sometimes just sitting down and having somebody else look at your brand with you and say, no, this is what you're doing. That's unusual. This is really crazy. This to you seems like it's no big deal because it comes naturally to you, but to other people, this is mind blowing. And so even having somebody, a friend or family or somebody can, that can sit down and look at what you do from the outside and help you pinpoint what is unusual about what you do can really be helpful. Uh, and again, then it's just this idea of looking at the kinds of media um, that you consume, figuring out where your ideal audiences are already hanging out with media, and then just matching the right message to the right channel at the right time. And that is the magic of publicity right there. You, you can go to school for five or six, or in my case, I think I did 12 and a half years of college <laughs> graduate and, and doctoral program, right? And, and it boils down to that. It's about getting the right message to the right channel at the right time. And if you just begin to pay attention to the kinds of media that you consume, the places that you wanna be featured, it's going to be very simple to pick up that process of what kinds of stories they cover and how to approach them with it. Oh, that's awesome. Tiffany, I really appreciate you sharing all your expertise with us. And the reason that I had Tiffany on was because Chelsea Cole from a duck's oven, many of you know her, she took Tiffany's workshop, loved it and was like, you need to have her on the podcast. So can you talk a little bit about the, the workshops and the services that you offer for people that are like, this sounds amazing. I understand what you're saying, but I need a little, little handholding to get started before I, you know, can jump out of the nest and start flying. Absolutely. So we, like I said, try to meet people wherever they're at in business. So for people who are just starting and are really at that point where they've got perhaps more energy than a lot of, you know, investment to put in, in terms of money, we offer a course called publicity for impact. And it is my signature course. It uses my signature system with, that we use with all of our different clients. It's proven to get phenomenal results right out of the gate. And so we have a course that is several weeks long and it's going to walk you through that whole process of how to get your business ready, how to get in the right mindset for winning press, how to come up with the great stories and how to leverage that press, how to pitch it, how to win it, how to leverage it once you have it. And then we teach you how to build that into a system for your content. For people who say, okay, I like the idea and I want you to teach me, but I really want 
something intensive. I want to build a campaign around my business. We do what we call PR bootcamp. This is my, one of my favorite things. I think my most favorite thing that we do um, in the business. And so we sit down over several days with a business owner. So we usually do it over two days with a business owner and their whole team, whomever they want to come in and learn this. We'll, we'll teach everybody. Um, <laughs> and we walk them through that signature system. And then while we're doing that, we're building out their campaign. We're building out their strategy. We're building out all of their custom templates for pitching. Um, we're helping them create a calendar that's customized to their business and teaching them how to do this. What I think is really remarkable about this program is that uh, it teaches you in a way that is sustainable. So you can always go back to the same tools and the same templates and things that we've built for you and the same resources. And for every new campaign, every year or every new book launch or whatever it is, we have built a campaign for you that you can now use that same model and method and rebuild it for yourself every time if you need to, or you can come back to us and we'll walk you through it again. But I love it because I know that you know, Chelsea has some really exciting things going on. And so we were able to just deep dive into what are some really great ideas and out of the box ways that she can leverage the work that she's doing to really elevate and create more sales and more thought leadership in her industry. So I love PR bootcamp. Sometimes what we have on the flip side though, somebody says, I don't really want to, I don't really have the time to do this myself. I'm not really interested in it. I want somebody to do it for me, but I'm not ready to invest in that major, you know, agency retainer. That's like that six month retainer that we talked about. And so we do what we call PR VIP days. And that's where you bring on me as your vice president of communications and um, we'll build out whether it's your press kit and your templates, whether you need a full year's campaign in, and ideas, you know, built out, whether you just need someone to deep dive and give you a bank of story concepts that you can pitch. We can do all of those things. A lot of times we'll have people that are really interested in a like podcast specific campaign or a magazine or blog specific campaign. And so we can go in and really custom tailor that project to exactly what they want. And we love that because you can do it once and we'll have people that will say, I want to do it once a year. I want to do it once a quarter. We'll have people that are like, Hey, can we do six months of these? And so hire you on to do this once a month for us. And so that one is fun because we do a lot of done for you services in a way that I'm not aware of any other PR firm that does for anybody where you can just come in and have, you know, a smaller set of services done without having to have that six month retainer. And then for our businesses that do grow and they're ready to start on a, you know, a more robust campaign strategy, we offer retainer services as a, you know, just like any PR firm would do. And so we really try to hit this section of the market at any place at that, that, where they find themselves in business. And I love that because again, it's making it so much more accessible. And as you're growing and building, we love to come alongside. We know your business now. And so we get to work with you as you grow and as you build. And that's just really exciting to me because we've carved out a niche in the, in the industry. So we know the contacts, we know the media, we know the timing there and how best to get our clients covered. And so it's been a lot of fun to get to meet all of the different people in this industry. Well, it sounds like some amazing services. Like I said, Chelsea Cole was raving about the, the boot camp that she did with you, and she's full of great ideas of how she's looking forward to moving forward the next year. So I know that's one big social proof of someone that I highly respect. So I appreciate you, you coming Chelsea on. Chelsea is like a dream client. She's amazing. <laughs> she is. She's great to work with. We've worked together on a few different things, and she's always a, a great person and brings great energy into any project. She so, does. She's tremendous. For anyone listening, if you want more from Tiffany, you can go to tiffanyurek.com. She also has that special gift she was talking about, tiffanyurek.com slash bacon. That is, uh, remind us of what the gift was again. 
Yeah, so you're going to get the press kit in a day checklist. It'll walk you through everything you need to think about in terms of business readiness, what your website should look like, what you should do with your social media, and how to put together a digital press kit before you start pitching ideas to the press. It's going to streamline your work, but it is going to save you so much time and heartache to have that ready uh, because it will be ready to go so that, that you can get an easy yes from the media. Be sure to check that out, everyone. That's something that I think every blogger needs, regardless of whether or not you're ready to seek out too much uh, PR or not. Make sure you get that so you are ready if it starts coming your way. And Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. I learned a ton. I'm sure my audience learned a ton as well, and I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Like I said, this is a delight. I love to teach. We love to train people, um, and we just love to empower people to grow their businesses. We think that great stuff should get noticed. So like I said, don't be a best kept secret anymore. <laughs> <laughs> great note to end the podcast on. This has been Making Bacon. We're all about helping you serve your fans, grow your income, and get the most out of your blog. Till next time, I'm Jason Logston.